Welcome to the Creative Agency Account Manager podcast with me, Jenny Plant, from Account Management Skills Training. I'm on a mission to help those in agency client service keep and grow the existing client relationships so their agency business can thrive. In this episode, I'm really delighted to be interviewing Louisa Powell. Louisa co-founded her own agency, Woolly Powell, in 1993, and then she went on to sell it 19 years later. Now, Louisa has a very powerful story because unfortunately, although the agency was hugely successful and it was probably one of the most well-known agencies in the healthcare space, unfortunately, Louisa's health suffered as a result of how she successfully built the agency. So I've invited her on to share her story and she's going to tell us 10 signs you may be heading for burnout yourself and what to be aware of. Why trying to be the hero in your agency can have a detrimental effect on you, your health and your team. Where to seek support if you think your health is starting to suffer. Why stress goes undetected in agencies. The difference between healthy and unhealthy stress and how to recognise the tipping point. And the most important first steps you need to take if you think this is you and your health is suffering as a result of the pressure that you're under at work how some agencies are providing support to their staff, and also what resilience is and why it's not just about bouncing back. I really enjoyed this chat. I think it's a really powerful message, and I think we're not talking about it enough in agencies. So sit back, relax, and listen to the story that Louisa tells, and let me know your thoughts and maybe share your experiences with me after the recording. Enjoy. So, Louisa, I'm delighted to have you on the show today. I've been wanting to have a chat with you for ages, and I know what you're going to share is going to be so valuable to people who are working agencies. So I'm just going to give you a short introduction, but obviously we know each other through the healthcare communications industry. You're probably one of the most well-known people for having built and sold your own agency, Woolly Power. So I know that you've got a huge amount of experience and having run the agency for 19 years. But you then pivoted to start another business in 2013, which is called Other Board. And one of the biggest reasons for the listeners that I invited you on the show is because your journey and story is just so powerful. And it's sort of led you to do what you do now. So without revealing too much, I'd love if you could spend a couple of minutes just introducing yourself. Oh, thanks, Jenny. It's lovely to be here. Yes, I mean, you've you've told my story, really. I founded, built and sold the agency. What people probably don't know is that during that time, I also had four boys and that it very nearly killed me. Um, (sighs) And I learned a lot of lessons the hard way by just making the mistakes and doing it. And now the reason for setting up other board was that I really felt that I I didn't want to do it again, which a lot of people do. They kind of go and do it again. I wanted to help other agency leaders grow their businesses, have it all and not feel guilty and not nearly kill them. So have it all and have a healthy business and a healthy life. And I felt that I could have more impact by working with lots of agencies rather than just doing it again for myself. 
So if you take us back to when you were growing your agency, because it probably was one of the most successful agencies. There wasn't anyone in the healthcare industry that didn't know Willy Powell, the name. You were always winning awards. You're always known as a really creative agency. So take us back to that time. And what was your day typically like? Like, how was your rhythm, you know, running with four boys, which, which is absolutely incredible? Well, it was really crazy. <laughs> <laughs> When I look back, I remember my third child, I went to a pitch two weeks after I had quite a sort of traumatic birth with him. I mean, I just did crazy things. I didn't have any maternity leave. So looking back, it does all look a bit crazy. I mean, I had loads of support at home and, you know, about 10 years into the agency life, we were doing quite well. I mean, it was slow. People always remember sort of success, but it was very slow. But about 10 years in, we were doing quite well. We had our nice offices in Covent Garden. The children were really young, but, you know, but things were kind of going well. We had started winning awards and we were growing. And I remember, I mean, I was, it was a stressful time. I remember going to an awards dinner and I was sitting next to this client and he said to me, oh, tell me, Louise, what what are your hobbies? I just (laughs) laughed in his face. So yeah, there wasn't really any time for anything else. The the business and home, like that just took up every part of my life. There wasn't time for anything else. And then we had a really terrible year, which most people probably don't know about. We lost nine pitches in a row. We lost two of our biggest clients. Uh, We didn't renew their contracts. My husband had a massive work-life crisis and decided that he wanted to give up his big job. And Dean, my business partner, also had sort of family bereavements and, and things going on for him. So we were really sort of sorely tested at that time. And we just carried on. I think we kind of sat down and I used to tell this story was, how did I come back from that? And, you know, we sat down and we decided and we made a plan. And then three years later, we sold the business. But what I didn't used to tell people was that what the cost of that was. So the stress involved in that. But at the time, I didn't really do self-reflection. I just did my mantra, because everyone has a mantra now. My mantra was, pull your socks up. We nearly wrote a book about it, a self-help book called Pull Your Socks Up. (laughs) Which I now sort of laugh about, but it's awful, really. But I had this sense that I could manage on my own, because that's what I'd always done. I'd set up on my own, you know, obviously with, with partner and with support. But you know, I think my parents say that my first phrase was self do it. And that's how I was. I just thought I could do everything. And we did sell the business and it was all very successful. And then a year after we sold the business, I got very ill and nearly died. And I had ignored the warning signs. And I believe that that illness, the cause of that was probably years and years of ignored stress that finally caught up with me. No, and this is fascinating, actually, the timing of when it happened. Mm. So all of this stress was going on. You had this huge amount of pressure on you, additional pressure when you lost all the clients, you lost two clients, lost the pitch, Dean's family problems. And then, but you made it through that. Then you sold. Then a year later, it Mm. actually affected your health. So looking back, the accumulation, that is massively powerful. And I think that's what people do. They ignore the war. There were warning signs, which I ignored. I kind of ignored. For instance, during that three years, I was suffering quite badly from heart palpitations. And I did go and see a cardiologist and I had tests. And he he came, the test came back and he said, well, 
you know, everything's fine. He says, you're just suffering from stress. You know, there's nothing else. So off I went thinking, okay, it's just stress. Now that I know a bit about the science of stress and what that means, I'm kind of amazed that that was just sort of brushed off because stress is incredibly unhealthy and can lead to serious illness if you don't deal with it. And, you know, I had other, you know, other warning signs like feeling, you know, those sort of feelings of guilt that I wasn't doing enough for the business or enough for my family. You know, that's a very common sort of warning sign. And the trouble is that that feeling of stress just starts to become normal. And that's what happened to me, I think. That was just my normal. Mm. And so it was only when it just came to a point where I literally nearly died that I just had to go, well, and physically I couldn't go back to the business. I was really quite poorly for a long time afterwards. You know, the trauma of, I had to have a massive operation. The trauma of all that took actually years to process and for me to get healthy again. And, you know, I just really don't want that to happen to other people. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to invite you on, because I think this is what you've described is probably other agency leaders are listening to this and thinking, well, okay, maybe I'm ignoring the signs or maybe that kind of little heart flutter that keeps happening, you know, you don't know how it's going to manifest, do you, as you say. So talk us through what your actual sort of routine looked like, because maybe other people can identify. Was it because you were working weekends or evenings or was it the relentlessness of everything or you say you had help but what did your sort of day-to-day existence look like? Mm, I suppose when the children were very young getting up really early so lack of sleep um, getting up really early I mean it's all a blur really for when they were really young I can almost hardly remember feeling really tired all the time So I would normally go into the office early and then we had a nanny that would come in until my husband gave up his job and then he looked after the children because he had a basically a a breakdown. Um, So we we were both quite stressed for a long time. Um, And then looking back, I just think I wasn't putting my... It's all about energy, what you put your energies into. And I think at work, like many agency owners, I felt I had to do it all as well as have it all. So I probably just got involved in too much in everything. And it towards the end, yes, I did let go of stuff, delegate stuff, have a good management team. But even so, I think I was probably a bit too much the hero, you know, sort of stepping in when there was problems to be solved or if not meddling with, with things. And it's a common theme I see in all, with all the clients I work with. My role was a bit of everything. And so I just got involved in everything, everything to do with the agency, you know, dealing with clients, dealing with the finances of the agency. My business partner used to always say I was the conscience of the agency. I was really good at looking at creative work and deciding if it was you know, good enough for us to present. So I did get involved at that stage, you know, at that level with creative work. Yeah, it was a lot of traveling around, you know, which is funny now because you, know, you spend so much time just going to meetings, spending time at clients. Yes, yeah, it's, it's actually quite a funny question because I almost can't remember what I think it really was just this blur of mm. and then coming home, you know, bathing the children, trying to spend some time with them. And the weekends were just fully the family unless we were doing a pitch or something. Then you'd go in. I mean, I used to think that we had this healthy agency because we didn't encourage 
late working, you know, staying up all night every week. Yes, we did do it every now and then for a pitch, but we encouraged everyone to go home because I did, but it was still stressful. Does that answer your question? Definitely. I can't really remember the details, Jenny. It it (laughs) sounds to me like you were on autopilot and you were just doing, doing, doing. And how did it affect everybody else? Like, were you noticing any reactions from other people or did anyone at any point take you to one side and say, Louisa, you know, I feel like you're doing too much or was there no one around you at the time? <laughs> did, did no one dare to come near you and even <laughs> suggest it? I think people used to find me quite scary, which I always find really odd, but I think they did. No, no, that never happened. <laughs> I, did, I mean, I did speak to my business partner, Dean. I did want some time out of the business, but it was just so hard to sort of accept that. I did get a mentor. It was around that time before we sold the business and he was really helpful. And that was the only time I really got some support apart from uh, I was a member of the IPA and the Institute of Practitioners of Advertising. I was on council and I also ran the healthcare group for a while. And that was a brilliant support network because they were my peers and people that you know, and I'm still friends with some of them now. And I would advocate that to anybody to find peers that you can talk to because they're the only people that really understand what you're going through. Did you ever share, I mean, because to a certain extent, I mean, it's always a double-edged sword, isn't it? The reason you were making sure that everything was done just so, you didn't drop any balls and you were making sure that the company was operating at its highest level and you got the success as a result. But actually... What was happening behind the scenes was personally, it was having a detrimental effect, albeit very slowly chipping away at your health. And I'm just curious, as if you didn't have enough to do, you also got involved with the IPA and all that. So with your peers, was this topic ever brought up or was it not discussed? Was it a bit like a badge of honour saying, no, we're doing it all? Were you able to talk about it? Or was it a lack of consciousness on your part that you didn't actually know enough about how it was affecting you to be able to share how you were feeling? I did share with my husband and my business partner that I was stressed, that I felt guilty, that those kind of feelings. I don't think I did really share it with anybody else. I mean, we shared like issues we had around, say, pitching or something or client issues or something to do with contracts or procurement, but they were more sort of functional things. We didn't really share about how we were feeling in that way. I think I didn't. I think I put on my brave face. I smiled a lot because that's what I did. I looked after everybody. That's what I did. I pretended. I pretended for years and years that everything was fine. And, you know, the way you introduced me, I obviously did a really good job. (laughs) You did a fantastic job. This is the thing. It's like everything in life is a balance, isn't it? It has to somehow calibrate. So if we go back to that time, because what I'm really keen to do is to, and as what you're doing now, I want to dig into how you're helping agencies now, because I think this is such a brilliant topic to talk about. I think so many people do suffer from stress, pressure, guilt when they're growing an agency, building an agency or working in an agency, Mm. actually, because it's very 100 miles an hour, everything, isn't it? And I just think it's a topic personally that I don't think is talked about enough. So I'm keen to kind of try to pull out from you what you believe people can do to recognise that they might be going down a path that they don't want to be doing. And 
more quickly do something about it. You said that a mentor came into your life and helped support you. You could talk to your husband about things. But I mean, you're obviously working now with agency owners, leaders. What signs do you see from the outside looking in that they might be like you just getting on with it? But really, they need to be, there's a bit of a warning bell that you can see. Yeah. Um, sometimes I wonder, or oh, maybe this doesn't exist. Maybe I've just made it all up. I have those moments. And then, for instance, the other day in an agency group that I'm in, there's a little chat and 18 agency owners were in this chat talking about feeling overwhelmed, feeling stressed. And these are the warning signs that you can't relax that your sleep is interrupted or maybe you have that like 4am feeling where you wake up worrying about everything or just little niggles like you know things like headaches or you know that you don't normally have or itchy skin or just that feeling you know in your stomach you know that kind of like constant pressure in your stomach which you might have or even it could be more about like starting to doubt yourself or that you know that you might make mistakes and also you know, actually making poor decisions because when we're in that stress state, so there's a difference between healthy stress and unhealthy stress. This is important to realise. So, you know, I've noticed it in the last six months during the whole COVID time. There was a kind of sense that the first few months of it, there was this huge stress. But in a way, for some people, it was sort of healthy stress because it was like, right, something's happening. It's almost sort of exciting. We've got to change things. We've got to do things differently. And that's what happens. Healthy stress is fine. It improves performance. And we've all felt that, you know, when you start a new project or a new job or a new relationship, it's exciting. But there's a tipping point where it turns into unhealthy stress. And that's the thing that we're not very good at noticing because we start to just think that this level of stress is normal. And it's realizing when we start feeling those warning signs that it's tipping into unhealthy stress and that that's the time to sort of do something about it. Because healthy stress is great for good decision-making, but unhealthy stress is the opposite. So agencies should really worry about it because it's also really bad for creativity because creativity needs calm, alert. It it doesn't need stress in, in, in the unhealthy sense of stress. So the other thing that is a little warning sign is that whole, oh, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, yeah. Yeah, smiley, everyone's smiley, because nobody's fine all the time. So that sort of understanding there are diminishing returns to that stress is very important for all. And and you're right, especially in agencies, because it's already a stressful environment. You win pitches, exciting, you lose pitches, that's awful. You, you know, have a new client, you've got to get going, that's lots of new stuff to do. So it's always up and down, stressful. It is that kind of environment. So we need to really watch out for it more than many other people. What's the first thing that you would suggest someone did if they're listening to this and they perhaps are thinking, I think that I'm starting to go down the route of the more unhealthy stress Mm -hmm. rather than the healthy stress. What's the very first thing that they should do really? So brilliant. They've already done the first thing, which is to notice it. So being self-aware is the first step to kind of having a plan because if you don't notice it then you're just going to fall into it and what happens is people go until they fall over so people might get ill or or literally can't go to work you know suffer burnout so noticing it being self-aware is the first good step then talk to somebody 
most agencies do have some sort of they're usually covered under their insurance. They do normally have somebody you can talk to, like a kind of counselling service, which you can just, at least you can talk to somebody. But I would just suggest talking to, you know, a good friend or, you know, just to be able to voice those feelings is really important. And talk to somebody that makes you feel good. Don't talk to somebody that's going to say, oh, I know somebody that's got stress, right? You want to talk turn to them, Turn the conversation back to yeah, them. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> you, want to, you want to talk to somebody who's going to go, I hear you. So uh, talking is is really important. There's loads you can do. You can do for yourself uh, as a small step. Stress response is a physiological response. And one way to halt it is just a simple breathing. And if you start learning how to do that, that's a great way to get yourself into a more calm, alert state. So even if you just take a couple of deep breaths, but if you have a minute, would you like to do it now? Yeah, I'd love to do it. Yeah, I'm going to move <laughs> away from the microphone. I don't want to impose my breathing on anyone. Okay. So it's just a really simple breathing technique called heart-focused breathing. Just take a deep breath to start and then just focus your attention in your heart or chest area. And then just start to breathe through your nose in a nice balanced way so for instance in for a count of four or five and out for the same and make sure you don't hold your breath on the in breath or the out breath your voice is making me feel very relaxed as well to be honest (laughs) I, I honestly I physically feel better just breathing twice there and your voice is calming me down this is a great little technique that you can use with your eyes open anywhere so if you were having a conversation with a client it was like a stressful conversation or a colleague um, or you're about to go into a meeting if you do this just for a minute it's so simple the key is just to take your attention to your heart it interrupts your automatic kind of breathing pattern so attention to heart balanced in and out and that's all you have to do And that's just a simple little technique to take away. And yeah, it's funny, beginning you were talking about, you know, about how you were then. And I sort of think, I would never have done that. I would never have known to do that. (laughs) Well, you take breathing for granted, don't you? We don't even think about using your breath as a technique, do we? And it's great because we do have an autonomic nervous system that (laughs) makes us breathe. (laughs) but the brilliant thing is you can interrupt it and what that does it gives you a little it gives you a little sort of top up I sort of like to talk about your inner battery in terms of resilience and what happened to me is my battery just ran out I had no more reserves I had nothing and a little breathing like that just tops up your battery just a small amount and there's loads of other things you can do but that's just a quick one and it halts the stress reaction because every time you're stressed like that, you're building up cortisol in your body. It's just so bad for you. So is it cumulative? I mean, I don't know a lot about cortisol. Is it yeah. so that you yeah. add more and more and more? I mean, it's, well, I mean, my, my father died of um, cancer and I'm sure a lot of the manifestation in his body that started it, he was he was very, very stressed. But so that's one technique that people can use, which is really super helpful. Thank you so much for sharing Tell me about the other ways that you help people when they come to you. Like, what's your advice 
Do you find that the more you talk about this topic, the more people start sort of secretly contacting you and saying, <laughs> hey, Louisa, I heard you talk about this. And Well, what tends to happen is people go, I know, I agree, I am, I'm really stressed, I really need this, but I've got no time. And because they are so overwhelmed, it's very hard for them to see how they could find the time. So the first thing is to help find some time. You know, one of the little workshops I run for whole agencies is how to have a good day. And that just is just like little productivity tips, you know, because until you find a bit of time to have for yourself, and I think a lot of agency owners, they are actually really good at looking after their staff, but they often don't spend any time on themselves. So until they're ready to actually say, I'm worth spending some time on, because if I don't, I can't look after all these other people, then actually there's usually a bit of a time lag, which is awful because I don't want them to get to the point where they're burnt out when they get to me, because then they probably need to go to the doctor, not to a coach. So I really want to help people before they get to that point. So the key is programs. I think quite a lot of people do sort of resilience workshops and that kind of thing. But I stopped doing them because I realised that one session is really not, you've got to do a programme because this stuff tends to be ingrained. You're not going to change it, you know, in one session. This is going to take some time and some commitment to help people. And typically, what do people say about working with you during a programme? how does it tend to impact them? Like, how do they describe their journey and their experience of you being able to help them with that transformation? So they normally talk about feeling calm, which again, always makes me laugh because I've always been known for being this kind of loud extrovert person. (laughs) I love the fact that I'm making people feel calm. (laughs) And they always talk about clarity, like suddenly they can see what they need to do. They have a plan they have the next step. They often say they feel better. And for different people, it means different things. But usually, they see the next step that they're going to take, and it feels doable and exciting, and they feel energised. Is that what you help people do, is develop their own bespoke plan for them and where they're at? Always. Yeah, Yeah, okay. So it's always tailored to what they need. Yeah, I mean, the techniques and if I'm doing the resilience program itself, there's a workbook and we work through it, but it's all based on them and what they need. And everyone's at different points in that journey. You know, some people I work with are really, really stressed and overwhelmed and other people less so, but they can see it could come if they don't do something about it. And we're also working on growing the business or helping them grow the business as well as look after themselves. And that's the mix. Well, I was going to say, I mean, not only can you help them with their health, you can help them with the practical side of running a business, can't you? And presumably, I mean, that's the beauty of working with someone like yourself who has trodden the path of growing and selling successfully an agency. You know, it's like, well, there's nothing probably that you come up against now with someone else that you haven't experienced yourself. I think that does mean that I have huge amounts of empathy for them. It might sound a bit odd, but I really love my clients because, you know, when I'm in the moment with them, you know, I really want to help them. And I think they clearly feel that support. And I prefer now to take more of a a coaching approach, which is 
really believing they're the experts in their life and they will find the answers that work for them. So yes, I may, you know, help. I may with my questions know, you know, what what to ask them that might help them. And if I'm doing blended sort of mentoring and coaching, I may suggest some things if that's helpful to them. But usually it's going to work much better if they find the ways that work for them. You said before about, you know, the agency owner is very good at looking after their team and recognising stress in them, but then they're not looking after themselves. I think what I've realised working with a lot of agency account managers is how the agency owner shows up within the business can have a real effect on everybody. I mean, their energy levels, Mm. their approaches. And I remember I was running publicists between different MDs. I was picking up the reins. I remember what you just described, I was really resonating with as you were describing it. I was I was working weekends. I was full on. I mean, I was really excited, I thought. But actually, it was this anxiety, I think, all the time. And it wasn't until an old MD came to visit me for a coffee and she actually really helped me because she leaned forward. She said, Jenny, are you okay?" And it came as a shock, the question. Mm -hmm. But she'd noticed the change in my energy, my demeanor. Mm. And obviously I was carrying myself and, you know, imposing that Mm. way of being to my team. So God knows what detrimental effect it had on everybody else. But do you think that's equally as important that ultimately you're looking after yourself so that you can help your team perform better absolutely and as I say I I do find that most agency owners do really care about their team and somebody I was talking to the other day used the metaphor of the oxygen masks they were saying you know if you don't put the oxygen mask on yourself first how can you help everybody else and I think that the impact on your staff is massive because it could just be that you're micromanaging that could be the impact of it because you're so worried about everything that you're constantly checking 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 instead of going I've trained them I've empowered them Jenny's done a fantastic account management program with them <laughs> <laughs> and you know that I, that I can let that go and they might not think of that as a kindness but it's actually so important for them to concentrate on the things that only they can do and that's the biggest piece of advice I would always give anybody running a business and, and at home as well. You know, what so for me, looking back, I was like, what what was it that only I could do with the children that only their mum will do? So there are some things they didn't need me to pack their lunch, but they did need me to go to their assemblies, which I did go to most of them. Um, for instance, you know, so deciding what only you can do in the business, you know, where you bring value to the business and what you can let go of or outsource or get somebody else to do is so important. And that's a really key step to, you know, having a healthy life and a healthy business. That must be quite cathartic for someone to sort of sit down with you and just pour it all out and analyse different areas of their life with someone else that can really have a practical and pragmatic approach to what can you leverage? What do you need to absolutely do? And what don't you need to do? Because That must in itself actually feel like a relief. And you've mentioned your family a few times, Lisa, and I hope you don't mind me asking the question, but do you think that your family in any way suffered as a result of what you were experiencing? Yeah, I do. I do. I feel a bit emotional when you ask that. um, I mean, some of, not all of it was bad. So I have four boys who are, and I think partly 
they were already lovely, obviously. But I think having seen me really, really ill meant that they've always just been incredibly loving um, and sweet. And my youngest son, I think it's the reason he's decided to go into medicine because he was only nine at the time and it really affected him. And it was really sad at the time. But no, I think it was a good thing for my marriage because I think we kind of fell in love again um, oh in the hospital God. at the bedside. Wow, that's that was unexpected. I know, because, you know, sometimes those things give you that real sense of what you could have lost, you know, and that perspective. So it's not all bad, you know. There are some amazing things that came out of it, including, you know, that I love what I'm doing now. <laughs> and, yeah, there's a lot of love. And I think one thing I gained was empathy, a lot more empathy for everyone. And I feel very blessed to have that because it helps me every day. <laughs> That's so powerful. I mean, it's so powerful to think that your son chose a career path as a result of what he was experiencing, that it had such a positive impact on your relationship. And I suppose in those times, you do understand who your true friends are and who your true supporters and the people that really care and love you, Mm. I'm sure. Mm. I mean, just out of interest, did you find that people from the industry were rallying around or did people come out of the woodwork that you didn't think had that sort of empathy as you refer to at the time or were you surprised at the lack of care in general I don't think it was particularly one or the other I think a lot of people just didn't really I don't think it really registered with people I think some people knew I'd been very ill but you know people were just busy and getting on with their lives so I I think apart from my sort of close friends and sort of close business friends I don't think people really knew I mean people are funny I remember this might be a bit awful but (laughs) I remember being in hospital and realizing how how little people understand about people who are sick really really sick and you know sending you like huge boxes of chocolates that you know like work people like thinking you know I'm really ill I can't eat anything at the moment (laughs) I don't know I think People don't really, I don't think people really sort of understood. And I think if you're in a sort of leadership role, people just want you to be better. You know, they don't really want to know that you're that human. (laughs) Exactly. That's, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. So the gesture was there, but the execution fell down. (laughs) I'm interested to know if what else you would advise. You've shared some really valuable tips I think first of all having a recognition of what you're going through and talking to someone about it you've shared the fact that breathing techniques really help to initially calm you down to think about your life in terms of areas that perhaps you could leverage and somebody else's services or tools even to help yourself I'm interested sort of to expand on that to understand the different ways that you work with people I know that you prefer to work as a program and you don't do sort of one-off resilience workshops or anything but do you do that as a group or is it always one-on-one both I like I really like both and I've found doing group coaching on zoom or group mentoring works really well I love it and I never thought I'd say that because I really (laughs) like being with people there's something about it that seems to work when people are in their own homes so I do both I work with small groups unless it's a workshop like I'll do a how to have a good day workshop I can do that with 20 people but 
with the mentoring and coaching programs, the groups are normally around seven seems to be an ideal number and the ones ones and so I tend to work with the business owners and then also do groups with their teams or sometimes one-to-one with their teams depending on what the need is. And have you got any examples of perhaps agencies that are excelling in this area that are kind of super aware and they have any kind of initiatives that they do like what have you seen best practice with agencies? Mm -hmm. Yes, I've been thinking about this. I think some maybe bigger companies are are tracking, maybe doing online surveys, tracking, you know, the happiness of their staff. Some are doing training programs, but I don't know if there is a lot of really great best practice. I think, as I mentioned earlier, some will have sort of mental health signposting around, you know, so people will know maybe to ask things in a certain way and if and then we'll know who to sort of post them to they might have a counsellor that you can talk to and I think the thing with resilience is that people think it's all about sort of bouncing back after something terrible has happened and so the programs tend to be for that so there's a lot of good stuff for people who have fallen over and say here's somewhere you can go to help you up But the way I define resilience is that it's the capacity to prepare for, to recover from and to adapt in the face of stress or challenge. And so it's that building up your inner battery, that building capacity. And I think there isn't a lot of great work going on with that. I think there's good stuff for what happens when I'm ill, but not so much. How do we create this capacity, which means that you are a healthier individual at work. Even that's creative, you know, building up your inner battery because that resonates with everyone, isn't it? They can just imagine, yes, that makes total sense. And we do it, you know, for our cars, you know, we have MOTs, we have regular service checks, we put oil in, we check it, we look at the light switches come on, but we don't do it for ourselves. You know, I think agency owners have been really good the last few months at keeping the energy going, they've worked really hard on team culture. And I think they do care about how much people are working, especially at home, where they're working possibly even longer hours, back-to-back meetings on Zoom. And I I care about it, but I haven't seen any signs of brilliant best practice in terms of ongoing programmes. Would you say that COVID, the whole situation with everyone working remotely and on their own, have you seen a higher prevalence in you know, people who are, it is affecting their health. Because not everybody loves, you know, if you're maybe over 50, you know, you love being at home and working from home because you're very self-sufficient. But generally speaking, our industry does attract a lot of young talent, doesn't it? And if you're starting in an agency, part of it, part of the enjoyment of an agency is the bars and the pitching and stuff like that. So would you say that you'd seen any trends or changes recently? I mean, I think it's been such a mix and it's not just age-related. You know, I know some younger people also love it. Depends where they live, Mm. you know, what their home life is, what their commute used to be. And some people have loved it and are healthier. They're doing more exercise, they're eating better because they've got more time. Other people have gone completely opposite. It seems to be two camps. They've put on weight, they've drunk too much, they've not done so much exercise. (laughs) I think the common theme is there's, definitely more anxiety around some people 
have stress as well. But there's definitely over here, there's this like level of anxiety, which we've all got. You know, I've been working really hard on building up my inner battery these last few weeks, especially because I can see that it's being depleted by this kind of background anxiety that is there all the time for us to see. So so I think it's a real mix. I think there is more anxiety, more stress for everybody. I think from what I've seen, I agree with you as well. Louisa, I think this is so powerful because I'm sure there are people listening to this thinking, oh my God, she's like taking the words out of my mouth. That's exactly how I feel. And I recognize that I do need to do something about it. So I find it hugely inspiring that you're doing what you're doing because of your background, because of who you're helping and having trodden the path before. I think that does make you so much more valuable because you get it. As you say, your empathy is increased. So how can people reach you? Who are the best people that you would like to be contacted by? And how can people contact you if they want to know more? So they can find me on LinkedIn or email me at louisa at otherboard.co.uk. I mean, I'm happy to chat to anybody. My usual starting point is usually the agency owner or person running the agency or somebody in the senior management team. They're usually the people that employ me, as it were. So they would be the best people. Amazing. And anything that I haven't asked you that is pertinent about your story that you would like to share? Because I just want to capture everything. Anything that I haven't asked you that I probably should have done? (laughs) Um, I don't think so. We've been, we've really kind of squeezed you dry. (laughs) Brilliant. I'd not share any more. (laughs) I I, honestly, I really want to raise the awareness of this because having worked in the industry myself, I totally believe that what you're saying is so valuable and I just think it's phenomenal what you're doing. So it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this and yeah, just carry on doing what you're doing. So I think it's hugely valuable in the industry. So thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Louisa. And if you think this is you and you're heading towards burnout or overly stressed at work, then please do get in contact with Louisa because she has trodden the path and she can really help you to put yourself back into more of a high performance state. So I really hope that you will seek help if you do think that this is you and that you are suffering. So I look forward to speaking to you on the next episode. 